Welcome. It's Wednesday. We have a, a new project that we accepted upon ourselves, Beli Neder, to uh, make an analysis of Sefer at Tehilim of David Amelech Alav Shalom. This was the brainchild of uh, the Medab family. And we do these Shi'unim in memory of the Tzaddeket. Lily Lea Bad Virginia, Mrs. Lily Maddeb Shalom, who uh, personified a lot of the righteousness that is in the book of Tehilim, and Ba'azat Hashem, the Devre Torah, should be Le'ilu Nishmata. Tehi Nishmata Tzurah B'Torah Hayim, Amen. So we're in uh, the Tehilim, and we're in Pedek Zion. We like to do a chapter a week. Again, if you're interested in literal explanation, so then go by an art scroll uh, and you'll have uh, a lot of success. And read the English and you'll know every word. We're not coming to do that. It's not an ulpan over here. We're coming to try to explain the chapters in the theme just so we get one clear idea from every pedic. So at least we know, oh, that pedic is this subject. And therefore we can relate to it and connect to it. Our uh, chapter over here is Perek Zion. And the chapter begins, Shigayon le David. Now, here we have a big controversy on what this word Shigayon means. If you remember in some previous chapters, we mentioned uh, introductory words uh, like Lamnasea Minginot. Right? And we said that uh, this is referring to the different musical instruments that we used to play these songs. Uh, we mentioned uh, in a few times, last chapter, we talked about there was a certain instrument that had eight strings. Lamnaseh uh, as the conductor. So David Amelech, besides writing these chapters, he also delivered it to the conductors in order they should play with music, he also advised what type of instrument it should be played with. I Meaning he, he, he did a full job. Well, on that line then, Shigayon and David, some explain it that it's a, uh, a musical instrument. So that would, be, uh, that would be one interpretation. If you look at the Rashi, when he says Shigayon and David, he quotes Menachem. He says, Fine. But others explained the word Shigayon uh, uh, to mean like a Shigaga. Shigaga is an error or a mistake, which is very, very interesting. The chapter is telling us Shigayon de David. This chapter is the chapter that discusses David's mistake, David's error. Oh, so first of all, the amazing thing is that he writes the chapter about his own error. Usually people like to cover up their mistakes. David Amelik Shalom was obviously Ish Emet. The Shekhinah was with him. He was far away from deception, even self-deception. And therefore he comes along and he uh, confesses. This is the, the chapter of confession. Shigayon de David, the mistake. Well, what's the mistake? The mistake is that he's saying to God. That's a mistake. 
David Amelik's whole essence was singing Tashem. He wrote 150 chapters to sing Tashem. How could that be a mistake? And the explanation is, it wasn't the song that was a mistake, it was on who he was singing about and what the reason why he sang a song. Who is the song about? Al-Divrekush Ben-Yemini. So it seems that there was a fellow. The fellow was called Kush. Uh, Ben-Yemini. Ben-Yemini sounds like he comes from the tribe of Ben-Yamin. David Amelech sang a song regarding this fellow. And at a certain point, David Amelech regrets that he sang the song. And therefore he comes along with full disclosure and he says, the song that I sang, Al-Kush Ben Yemini Shigayon. It's a mistake. And therefore he asks God for forgiveness. The only problem is, I went through the entire Tanakh. That's why I was a little late this morning, Rabotai. I went through the entire Tanakh and I did not find any man that is called Kush Ben Yemini. So we have a problem over here. Uh, by the way, I am in good company. I found the Malbim over here. The Malbim says that Shigayon al Kush ben Yemini. He writes. He writes, there was a certain fellow called Kush ben Yemini, but we don't know who it is. We don't know who it is. Very, very interesting. Let's see, we have any other interpretations over here? Who wants to say who this was? Yeah. The Sephono, by the way. Ishme Binyamin. Yeah, guy from Binyamin. The read. Yesh Tomar Adam Gadol Haya. Adam Gadol. Sheba Meshivet Binyamin. Vahayam Metzer et David. And he must have given David, you know, a lot of troubles. Vahiber Mismorze. Alav. So Rabotai, the Hakamim over here and the Mefarshim of the of the Pesukimir are struggling who this who this man was. So again, we need to open up the Gemara. That's the only way we're going to understand what this chapter is talking about. Who is Kush Ben Yemini? And then everything will come into perspective. So we open up today. Gemara Mu'ed Katan Daptet Zayin Amud Bet Gemara Mu'ed Katan comes along and he says that HaKadosh Baruch Hu HaKadosh Baruch Hu saw that David HaMelech was rejoicing on the downfall of Shaul HaMelech. Oh. Amar lo HaKadosh Baruch Hu David. 
So God tells David, David, Shira, Ata Omer, Al Mapanato Shil Shaul, you're singing a, a, a song, you're rejoicing on the fact that Shaul, who not only was the king of Israel, but also was David's father in law, you're praying for his, you're rejoicing in his downfall. Ilmale Ata Shaul, Vehu David, Ibadti Kamma David. Which means, don't think that you're any better than Shaul. If you were, would have been born as Shaul, and Shaul would have been born as you, I would have gotten rid of many of your type. That's the way of God telling David, be careful. Shaul's a great man. And therefore, if you would have been Shaul, I would have gotten rid of many of you. You're lucky that you're alive, David. You have a redeeming factor. And therefore you should not rejoice in the downfall of Shaul. Oh, well, where do you see this? And that's what it says in the Pasuk. The mistake of King David. That he's saying on Kush, Kushemo, is the name of Shaul Kush? I mean, we call him Shaul ben Kish, but then we're calling him Kush? Kish, Kush, Kish, Kush. But hello, Shaul Shemo, his name is Shaul. And the Gemara says something amazing. Just like a Kushi. He has a different color skin. He's noticed by his color of skin. So to Shaul is discernible by the beautiful ma'asim that he has. Meaning he's discernible right away. Just like a kushi, you could notice him right away. He stands out because of the color. So to Shaul is like a kushi. That what? Through his good deeds, right away you say, oh, this is a, this is a unique man. This is a special man. So therefore the Pasuk is calling him Kush. That's Shaul HaMelech. Ben Yemini from Shevet Ben Yamin. And therefore the reason why David probably refers to him as that is because he's making Teshuvah. David HaMelech is saying he's actually Kush, he's a Tzaddik. He's so uh, noticeable by his good actions, uh, uh, Shaul. And if he did what he did, it must have been not because he wanted to do it. The Torah tells us that he had Ruach uh, Shtut uh, 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 that he was affected by and it caused him to act like he did but it wasn't because intrinsically he wanted to do such a thing to David so therefore he refers to him as Kush and therefore he apologized now even though you could ask yourself a question the Chaura why is it only a Shogeg why is David Melech saying Shigayon? If he, if he prayed for the downfall of Shaul, or he's happy, you have to know also, Shaul was trying to kill David. I mean, David Melech over here was not in an easy position with Shaul. Many times Shaul tried to kill him, and David, even though he probably could have killed Shaul a few times, did not. So he was thankful that Baruch Hashem, he didn't have to kill Shaul and Shaul didn't kill him, but still, he called it Shigayon. There's a Tosafot. In Masechet Yoma, on Chabet Amud Bet. The Gemara over there on Chabet is talking about some of the sins of King David. So Tosfot asks, 
in, on this Gemara, it doesn't include the sin that he's saying against Shaul. So Tosfot says, so Tosfot says, you can't really blame David for singing. He was in Sa'ar, he was in a pressure situation, and Shaul was trying to kill him. And when he finally got saved, he said, you saved me. So you can't really hold David Lively, we can't call this a sin of David. And even when David makes the Shubah, it's called Shigayon. When a person is in a pressure situation, you can't judge him the way he reacts. You can't judge his, uh, his, uh, his actions in such a way. Oh, so now we understand at least what this chapter is referring to. It's referring to the Inyan of Shaul Amelech. Rabbeinu Ari explains, Nishmat Shaul aitan nikiyah menasigim. The neshama of Shaul was pure. It didn't have any, any impurities. Imken kishrona ma'asim etzlo beteba. For Shaul, it was natural to be a tzaddik because his neshama was pure. And that's why they call him kush, just like it's natural for the kush to have that color skin. <coughs> you don't have to do something to get that color. So Shaul was on a very, very high level. He was naturally inclined to be a tzaddik. Fine. So Kadosh Baruch Hu tells David, Oh, you're not any better than Shaul. You, if you would have been Shaul, God says, I would have gotten written, written of you and many like you. So why doesn't God get rid of David? David, in one sense, has a certain midah that makes him worthy of life. So I saw from Rav Shimshin Pinkus, he brings out a beautiful piece over here. He says, don't think that David was better than Shaul. In righteousness, Shaul was great. He has a neshama without sigim, like Darizal said. It says he had very, very few sins. Shaul had the sins, it says like a baby. It was pure. Shaul was the first king of B'nai Israel. He was chosen by God. Bechir Hashem. <clears throat> but David Melech had one midah, and it's that one midah that Shaul didn't have, and that's what makes all the difference. Which we're saying a big hadush now from Hashem, 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 Hashem. He's saying when God judges a person, he doesn't only judge who's greater. Although today we do that. Who knows more Torah? Who has more mitzvot? Who has more zechuyot? <coughs> Who's more popular? Who reaches more people? No, we, we judge people like that in their success. But the rabbi says here, there's one midah that even though you might not be the greatest of all people, or if you have that midah, they put you over the top. And that is the midah that's called midat malchut. Let me try to explain to you what it means, Midat malchut Midat malchut means that when a person is totally, uh, unquestionably subjugated to the will of a Kadosh Baruch Hu. That's Midat malchut In Kabbalah, the malchut is represented by the earth. The earth is called malchut. It's the lowest level. The earth gets stepped on. The earth has no self. The earth has no 
uh, uh, ego. The earth has nothing of itself. And therefore, the Midata Malchut is total subjugation and total effacement in front of a Kadosh Baruch Hu. It has no, has no will. David might not have been greater than Shaul, but he had Midat Malchut. And where do you see these things? So you see the difference between the Midat Malchut of David and Shaul in the following three episodes. Rabotai, quickly we review three episodes in the Navi. You know, the benefit of learning Tehidim also is you get to review the Navi. Because a lot of these stories reflect what we learned in the Prophets. The first story I'm going to tell you is, is in the book of Shemuel Aleph in Perek Yudgimal. So the story over here is that Pasuk, Ben Shana Shaul Bemolcho. That's the way the Navi refers to Shaul. Ben Shana, Shaul was one year old when he became king. What? Was he one year old when he became king? How could he be one year old? He was 50. So the Gemara says in Yoma, Keben Shana, Shelot Ta'am Ta'am Het. He was like a one year old, he never tasted sin. So Shaul is great. What happens? The Jewish people are going to war. The Pilishtim are attacking. Shemuel the prophet tells Shaul, don't do anything until I come to you. I'll be there in seven days. And when I get there, I'm going to bring a korban, and then we go forward. So, the pasuk comes along and says, Shaul gets to the uh, Gilgal, and everybody's there with him, and they're nervous because they want to go fight the war. But the pasuk says they waited. Shiva'at Yamin, they waited seven days. La Mo'ed Asher Shemuel. After the seven days, Lo Ba Shemuel a Gilgal. He didn't show up. So now the people started to get, they started to get nervous. They came along and said, we have to go fight the war. The people started to, to leave Shaul. They started to go away from him. So what does Shaul do? Shaul Bring me the Qurban. He doesn't wait for Shemuel. He doesn't wait for Shemuel. He brings the Qurban himself. Right when he finishes bringing the Ola, of course, who shows up? Shemuel shows up. Shaul goes out to greet him. What did you do? I saw the people were, were leaving me. You didn't come, you didn't show up. The Pilishtim are gathering. I don't know what to do. Vaomar, I said to myself, The Pilishtim are come to me in Gilgal. And I didn't bring a Qurban to God yet. I rushed, I brought the Qurban. I couldn't control myself, I brought the Qurban. You made a mistake. I told you to wait. What? So you were under some pressure? I, will, I didn't come up the time. You have Pilishtim. The people are putting you under pressure. Doesn't matter. The one that has Midata Malchut 
has nothing in front of his eyes except Netzon Hashem. Doesn't matter what the situation is. And therefore, Shemuel tells him, God has taken away your kingdom from you. Your kingdom will not succeed. It's unbelievable. Why? Because to be the Melech of Israel, one has to have total subjugation to the to the Ratzon Hashem and not have any any uh, 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 interest. In this case over here, we see that Shaul he listened to the people. The people uh, told him, hey, Shemuel's not here, the Pilishtim, he brought the Qurban. Now, I'm not judging Shaul, by the way. I, I cannot imagine the pressure he must have been under to bring that Qurban with all the people in the war. But nonetheless, the second example, we know it's obvious, that was the case where Shemuel tells Shaul to go fight Amalek. And what happens? He brings back the animals. And when he brings back the animals, so the pasuk comes along and he tells them, uh, you know, what are you doing? He said, well, I was afraid of the people. The people told me uh, to bring back the animals and to bring back Agag alive. And of course, what does God, God say to David and Shaul Melech? You lost your kingdom. You didn't listen. Which means... Total subjugation, not listening to the people, not listening to the pressure, not falling into any uh, 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 acceptance of anybody's opinions, except the Tzon Hashem. Whereas David, there's an amazing story about David Amelech, how he was totally subjugated to Kadosh Baruch Hu. Shemuel Bet Perek Eh. Perishtim are going to fight the Jewish people. David's the king. David So David asked God, should he go fight? No, don't go fight them. Make an ambush around them and don't do anything, God says. He says, I only want you to start fighting when you start to hear the trees above you start to rustle. When you hear the rustling of the trees, then you go fight. Fine. So the Hazal come along and say that David Amalek goes and he starts to make the ambush around Pedestim. And what happened? the Pilishtim were within eight feet of the Jewish people. They were very close. So the Jewish people tell David, let's attack. We can attack them. They're, they're within eight feet of us. We can kill them. If we don't kill them, they can kill us first. David Amalek says, God gave me instructions. We have to wait for the trees to rustle. I didn't hear the rustling of the trees. The people said, forget about the rustling of the trees. We have a chance to kill them. All we got to do is uh, to shoot the arrows and then we'll kill all the enemies. David Amalek says, Amrullah, they tell David, anu yad bahem anu metim. I'm commanded by God, yad bahem I cannot do anything to them until the trees rustle. So they come along and say, so should we die in the meantime? Should we die in the meantime? They're gonna kill us. It's better that we die Sadiqim, namut Rishaim. Why? Because that's what God told us to do. The angels came to God and they so God comes to the angels and says, Look at the difference. 
שאול עומד ונשאר באורים ותומים. בפלשתים באים עליו והניח את האורים ואת התומים וברח. דוד המלך, he waits for the sign that God gave him, and sure enough, they win the war. But you see, the greatness of David is, he doesn't panic. He doesn't get nervous from the people. He has no will. David says, I have no will. That's unbelievable Hindush. He's the king, but he has no will. His will is Ratzon Hashem. He's transparent. David is empty. He's transparent. The Ratzon of the Melech, of the Malchut, the Melech, is the Malchot of Olam. That's the Midah that David had. So God tells David, be careful. If you didn't, you, you have one midah better than Shaul, that's midah tamalchut, that's why you're zuchet to be the melech. But otherwise, Shaul is a great man, therefore he had no right to sing for his downfall. Oh, if that's the case, so this chapter is referring to Kush ben Yemini. Although I must point out to you that the Ibn Ezra on this pasuk, on this chapter, he doesn't think it's talking about Shaul. He says, Ibn Ezra, Yesh Umrim Shehu Sha'ul. Yesh Umrim is the Gemara says it's Sha'ul. But Ibn Ezra, as we know his style is, he explains the Pesukim al Pshat. It doesn't uh, affect him what a Gemara says. He says, someone is saying he's talking about Sha'ul. He says, ah, that's far from me. Shiyuridu milat sheba lignai. That you're going to call Shaul, you're going to call him Kush? He says, you wouldn't call somebody who's praiseworthy by a negative name. Normally, we call somebody negative by a positive name. For example, we say Saginahor. Somebody that's blind, which is negative, they say the one that has much light. So we turn a negative into a positive. But to turn a positive, Shaul's greatest, into a negative and call him a Kushi? He said, you're not going to do that over there. It's the opposite of Saginahor. And then he comes along and he says, Kush, haya Yehudi, it was a Jew. Ve'kaka shemo, u'v'nebin He says, and I have a hard time explaining because later on in the chapter, David HaMelech says, Hinei yehabel aven. God says, let the evil one be punished. If he's talking about Shaul, he wouldn't talk like that about Shaul. Call him a ish, ish aven. Because after all, al So Ibn Ezra argues, argues. He doesn't learn this pasuk referring to Kush bin Yemini Shaul. Okay, but who is it? He doesn't tell us. It's almost like the other shita that said, it's a man. So I saw a beautiful interpretation in the Sefer Tehilim of Rabbi Shalomo Zarka. And he says that it might be referring to the following story. If you remember Abotai, David had great controversy with his son Absalom. And after he was able to defeat Absalom, Absalom died. Now David's army said, we're going back to Yerushalayim. We have to go back to Yerushalayim to establish the kingdom. But again, you have to remember, they were afraid in the sense that they didn't want David to make any uh, a noise when he was coming back to Yerushalayim to maybe arouse any enemies that he might have. So they went in the middle of the night and they crossed the Jordan in the middle of the night to go back to Yerushalayim. And they didn't tell anybody. 
all of a sudden it says that B'nai Yisrael heard in a certain town that David crossed in the middle of the night and they come to David's men and say, what are you doing over here? We wanted to come greet you. We wanted to come and give you kabod. They said, no, listen, we didn't want to. What are you, so what are you, like a ganav in the middle of the night? You're crossing the Jordan. We wanted to give you the proper respect. David's men said, no, listen, we don't want to take any risks. You know, uh, David's kingdom was uh, tenuous. Now we're trying to reestablish it. And we went at night. We were, you know, we were trying to protect the king. And he went, there was a back and forth between the people of that town and David's men. And all of a sudden, uh, they come along and they say, what do you mean? We're with David. We're closer to David than you even Shibit Yehuda. We're from the ten tribes. We love David. So on and so forth. In the middle of the conversation that they're talking back and forth, who shows up? A fellow by the name of Sheva ben Bichri. Oh, Sheva ben Bichri was known to be a Rasha' Mirusha' And he comes along and he comes and he says, What are you arguing with these people for? We have nothing to do with David. David is not one of us. Shalom was right. And therefore, we don't need a king. Let him go back to Yerushalayim and leave us alone. Sheva bin Bichri. So what happens after David gets back to Yerushalayim and sits on the chair? He says, well, now we have to take revenge against Sheva ben Bichri. And David says, I'm more concerned about him than I'm worried about Avshalom. <coughs> Avshalom, I know, wasn't going to kill me. He's my son. But Sheva ben Bichri is a stranger. He's apt to kill me. So he told you, Abdin Suruya, you have to go fight. But he told them that all those people that were there are considered rebellious as well because they, they, they didn't do anything to Shem of Bechri. So you have to go and, uh, and kill the town. <coughs> so they left Yerushalayim. They took a big army with them to a place called Bet Ma'aka. That's where Shem of Bechri lived. They get to the place, they knock down the walls, and now they're coming in. And now Rabotai, listen to a story, you never heard a story like this. In that town where Sheva ben Mechri lived, there was an old lady, very old lady, the oldest lady you ever heard of. <clears throat> she was the daughter of Asher. Her name was Sarah or Serah Bat Asher. The granddaughter of Yaakov Abinu Adam And she lived in that town all of a sudden she sends message to you I've been tell you I've been I want to talk to him <clears throat> could you imagine this is a lady and she's calling the general of B'nai Israel come come to my office I want to talk to you now they knew who she was so you can't tell her no you know she's Aisha Ashubah she's the granddaughter of Yaakov Abinu so what happens the pasuk comes along and says when Yoab comes uh, to Sarah Betashir, she first gives her the credentials. She says, you know who I am? I'm from the 70 nefesh that came down to Mitzrayim. I saw Yamsuf. I was there at Matan Torah. I was there in the Midbar. I ate the man. And I saw all the, all, all the miracles. And I got a berachah from my grandfather, Yaakov Abinu, that I'm going to live as long as I want. Therefore, you have to listen to me. 
Abin Surya says, absolutely. <coughs> What's the problem? He says, you don't know what Pasuk in the Torah? The Pasuk says that when you go fight the Goyim, before you go fight them, you have to call in peace. And if they don't accept peace, then you go fight. Kochikin, you're going to fight Jews over here. You just went, you're going to knock down the whole city and kill everybody? Oh, your Ab says, oh, we must have made a mistake. Okay, I'm maskeen. But your Ab says, but we have a problem. There's one guy over here that's a Rasha. Okay, who's the Rasha? Sheva bin Bikhri. No problem. I'll deliver you his head. You can trust me, you'll have his head. You don't have to worry. He's the Moret bin Malchut. He says, we'll give you this, this Rasha. He says, don't worry. She says, when we were coming out of Egypt, Moshe Rabbeinu did not know where the bones of Yosef were. I told him where they were. Oh, I know how to find it. I'll, I'll find it. And I brought some hat to B'nai Yisrael then, and I'm going to bring some hat to you today. All of a sudden, Yoab blows the trumpets. Stop the war. Stop the war. Sarah bat Asher canceled the war. And all of a sudden, Sarah bat Asher goes to the Sanhedrin, and they start to negotiate with the Sanhedrin. And before you know it, she was able to convince them to bring out Shiva ben Bikri. And what? They went and they were able to kill him. And at that point over there, when they came back, they told David what happened. So David felt bad that he made a mistake to go kill the whole town without first <coughs> seeking the peace. So he learns the pasuk, the mistake of David regarding what? And Kush is like the Ibn Ezra said. Hey, now you can't talk like that anymore. We have to be careful. But the pasuk over here says, Kushi. So comes out we have at least a derek, and Shimon ben by the way, was from Binyamin. So it works out good. So we have different derachim over here. Oh. So this is the chapter of Teshuvah. So I said to myself, <clears throat> if this is the chapter of Teshuvah, however it is, Teshuvah for the Shiva ben Bechri story, or the Teshuvah for the Shaul story, <clears throat> David comes to confess. So something, somewhere in this chapter must be a pasuk that gives us a sword, a secret of Teshuvah. So I found the pasuk. Look at the pasuk. I mean, the pasuk just reads simply, Hashem Elokai Bekaasiti, I trust you. Hoshi'eni, you save me from my enemies. Penitrof ke'aryen nafshi, they tried to attack me like a lion. Porek ve'en matzil, nobody's there to save me. Hashem Elokai Masiti zot. You know that I didn't do anything to deserve this. I have no, uh, I didn't do anything to them. I'm provoked. I don't even punish those that did bad to me. I don't retribute to them. And then the pasuk comes along and says, look at the pasuk. Yud. Yigmor na ra. Elohim Tzaddik. 
Simple explanation of Botai. Yigmor na ra'ishaim. Finish. The Rishaim should cease to exist. Finish with them. Utchonen Sadiq. And the Sadiq should be established because the Rasha wants to kill the Sadiq. So therefore, kill the Sadiq so the Rasha so the Sadiq can be Konen, can be established. And God knows who the Sadiq is and who the Rasha is. As the Pasuk says, God, who's the tzaddik, knows exactly what's inside of everybody. So who's the good guy and who's the bad guy? So David Melech prays, Yigmor nara shaim, whether it's Sheva ben Bichri or any of the other shaim, Yigmor nara shaim, let the shaim decease with Kholen Sadiq. The only problem we have with this Rabotai, <clears throat> we have a big problem. Are you supposed to pray for the death of the shaim? This is a big question. Are you supposed to pray for the death of Rishayim? Well, he's doing it. He prays. My problem is, it's a Gemara in Berachot. <clears throat> the Gemara in Berachot is on page Yud Amud Rishon. Listen to a story. Gemara says, Hanehu Biryone. Like uh, gangsters, troublemakers. They lived in the neighborhood of Rabbi Meir. And they, they were giving a hard time. They were giving, giving him trouble. <coughs> wow. So he was praying for them to die. <coughs> Rabbi Meir is praying for them to die. Get rid of them. Very easy. So his wife, Rabbi Meir's wife was called Beruria. So she comes along and says, My daughter, what are you praying them for them to die for? Because he was praying out loud so she heard him. So what are you praying them for dying? Oh, so you see, David Amelk also prayed. Let the sinners uh, uh, be destroyed. Miketiv hotim, it doesn't say hotim, sinners. Hataim ketiv. Oh, hataim means the sins. Yitamu hataim. Oh, and go to the end of the pasuk, she says. Urshaim od enam. And now the shaim will not be. If it means yitamu hataim, of course, then Urshaim od enam. That the Rishayim are not going to be there. And the explanation is, Yitamu Hataim, pray that the sins go away. And once the sins go away, they're not Rishayim anymore. The Rishayim turns into a tzaddik. Yitamu Hataim Urshaim od enam. Ela ba'era hame ela bayu delehederu b'tshuvah. Unbelievable. Pray that they should make the shuvah. And then what? Urshaim od enam. You hear the story of Erebodai? Brunia, the wife of Rabbi Meir, is giving us tremendous fiducia. You don't pray for people to die, even the Sha'im to die. These were Yehudim, these billionaires. So, what are you supposed to do? Pray for them to make the Shuvah. And guess what? Once they make the Shuvah, they're not the Sha'im anymore. Once there's no more sins, so what happened? So, he started to pray for them. Behadru b'tshuva, they made the shuvah. 
Very nice. Oh, so could be Rabotai. That's what David Melech is saying in this Pasuk. If you go to our Pasuk in this chapter, the Pasuk says, Pasuk Yur, Yigmor na ra reshaim. Ah, the Pasuk doesn't say over here, Yigmor na reshaim. The Pasuk says, Yigmor na ra reshaim. The ra of the reshaim should decease from, from existing, which is exactly like the Gemaran Beragot. He wasn't praying for the, uh, <coughs> for the Rasha to die. Yigmor na ra reshaim. Let the ra of the reshaim. Oh. My question only was, Rabotai, I have a big question over here. What do you mean you're praying for the Rishayim to make Teshuvah? I mean, I understand. Listen, I have free will. I understand. I could pray to, for myself. Please, Hashem, help me make Teshuvah. Because that's my hishtadlut. I'm making an effort to try to get close to Hashem. So I'm using tefillah as a habalitahir. <clears throat> I'm coming to purify myself. So I know I can pray for myself. But I didn't know that I could pray for somebody else to make the juba. What, what does that mean? How can I pray for somebody else to make the juba? But that's what the Gemara is saying over here. <clears throat> Don't they have free will? Can I interfere with their free will and pray that they should have to is something that's personal. And this Gemara always bothered me. How do you pray for somebody to make the Shuvah? Today we have a lot of people off the dead air and all these people that are involved in whatever it is. We pray for them to make the Shuvah. We pray for them to make the Shuvah. I can pray for myself because that's my Hishtadlut. I decide myself to make the Shuvah so I'm praying to God that I should have the Zichut. Habalitahir. So I saw Baruch Hashem today a phenomenal explanation to this based on Gaon Rebidiyah from Vilna. By the way, it's the Maharsha's question. The Maharsha says, Lo yitachem bebakesh tabarzim shamayim. You cannot pray for this. Hakol mida shamayim, otz mirat shamayim. Bishlama ma she'adam bebakesh alatzmo. If you want to pray for yourself, it says, Bederich she'adam notzem molichim oto, v'abaletahem misa'in oto. Fine, you're making a hishtadut to become pure. So therefore you're choosing to pray for yourself. However, to pray for somebody else, That's the Maharsha's question. And he says a beautiful answer here. In order to understand the answer, I want to explain to you one interpretation that we once said on a Gemara. <coughs> The Gemara says that Moshe Rabbeinu Shalom at the end of his life he tells the Jewish people What does God want from you? Moshe Rabbeinu is talking to the people. What does God want from you? He He just wants you to have fear of heaven. That's all God's asking from you. The Gemara asks, is Yirat Shamayim such a small thing? Moshe Rabbeinu is asking the people, ah, what does he want from you anyway? He 
What's that? Just Yirat Shemayim. The Gemara says, what do you mean? Yirat Shemayim is a big thing. How can Moshe Rabbeinu make it such like it's a small thing? How does he downplay it? So the Gemara says, In legabe Moshe biltazutrete. To Moshe, it's a small, it's a small thing. After Moshe, that means talking. And to Moshe, Yirat Shemayim is an easy thing. So therefore he says, What does God want? Ah, Yirat Shemayim. For Moshe Rabbeinu, Yirat Shemayim is easy. The only problem is, he was talking to the people. How can the Gemara say, in But he wasn't talking to himself, he was demanding it from the people, and to the people it's a big thing. So I once heard from Acham Yaakov, may live be well, a beautiful explanation. There's a concept that says that the tzaddik who permeates Yerat Shamayim, the tzaddik that permeates goodness, and Midot Tovot, those that are in the vicinity of the Tamid Hakam, his goodness overflows over them. They get the benefit of the Midot of the Tzaddik because he compares it to like a big uh, a pitcher of water or wine. And you have small glasses around it. And you start to fill the pitcher with wine and then it starts to overflow. What happens when the wine starts to overflow? It fills the smaller glasses around it. And therefore, when a person stays around the tzaddik, the tzaddik permeates with Yirat Shamayim. So it overflows over him and it goes to the people that are next to him. And therefore, that's why it's so important to be next to the tzaddikim. We become greater when we're next to the tzaddik because the tzaddik's greatness in Kiddushah, it's tofeyah al-menat latfiyah. It's already, it's moist enough to... to to, 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 to hydrate himself and to hydrate others as well. The Gaon of Vilna said this concept. He quotes the Pasuk. The Gaon of Vilna said, The Tzaddik is like a Malach. The the Malach, the Tzaddik, sits around the God-fearing people. And God saves them. Why? Because the Tzaddik, the goodness of the Tzaddik fills up everybody around them. That is a very, very important Yesod. That's why it's important to be next to Tzaddikim. Even the Tzaddikim that passed away. When you connect to the Tzaddikim, the power of the Tzaddikim have so much good in them that they influence. So Moshe, the Gemara is saying, Moshe Rabbeinu is telling the Jewish people in the Midbar, what does God want from you? What does God want from you? He just wants you not Shamayim. So the Gemara says, what do you mean? Yirat Shamayim is a big thing. The Gemara says, In legabem Moshe, to those that are in the vicinity of Moshe, legabem Moshe, those, are, those that are by Moshe, it's a small thing. If you're next to Moshe, Yirat Shamayim is an easy thing. So Moshe Rabbein was telling the Jewish people, what does God want from you? Yirat Shamayim is easy. You're next to me in the Midbar. And the Yirat Shamayim of Moshe is contagious. The Yirat Shamayim of Moshe Rabbeinu is, is, is overflowing. And therefore, in Legabem Moshe, those people that are close to Moshe, it's easy Yirat Shamayim. But again, if you're not going to stay next to Yirat Shamayim people and you're going to try to do it on your own, very difficult. And that's why I heard from Racham Yaakov Elel that many times in the Gemara, they refer to a Tamid Hakam as Moshe. The Gemara sometimes calls a rabbi his name is not Moshe, but they say, Moshe Shapir Ka'amat. Moshe, you said good. So the rabbi asked, his name is not Moshe. And he said, according to the Kabbalah, that in every generation, the Tamidah Achamim have the spark of Moshe Rabbeinu. 
And therefore, in every generation, there's tzaddikim. Moshe Shapir ka'amat. And therefore, just like whoever stays next to Moshe, Yerat Shemayim becomes easy. When you, when you stay around the tzaddik, the religion becomes much easier. That's an, it's an aid, it's a tool. Oh. So if that's the case, we said something incredible on this Gemara. The Gemara is saying, yes, Rabotai. There's a way that you can bring people back to Teshuvah. How do you bring them back to Teshuvah? We said you can't pray for somebody. No. Pray for yourself to make Teshuvah. And once a person prays for himself, automatically those in his neighborhood and those that are surrounding him, they'll make Teshuvah automatically. You can't change others. You have to change yourself. The best way to change the world is to change yourself. And therefore, if a person is able to mehazek himself and lift himself up, you'll be surprised about that. You cannot imagine the influence that a regular Jew can have on somebody else. Doesn't have to be a speaker and a motivator and a darshan. No, a regular guy. But what? Through his behavior, you can have a neighbor that looks every day, sees you coming out of your house with your talent and your prayer. This makes a roshan. And then he sees on the Hagim, you have your lulav, and he sees you sitting in the sukkah, and he sees uh, every day you have a gemara on your head. You'd be surprised. That behavior of discipline, of Torah Mitzvot, those that are watching it, those that are Moshe you cannot underestimate the power of changing yourself in order to change the world. People are watching you. People are watching you. Uh, and they monitor it. And you'll be surprised. And Olam Abba, they're going to come and tell you, because of your ways, you don't have any people, you brought back to Teshuvah. But maybe they didn't come and tell you. Not everybody's going to call you up and say, thank you very much, you inspired me. Uh, they don't want to admit it. But Nati Davod, you're going to say, you don't know how many people, they saw the way you keep a Shabbat. And they say, they saw your Simhat Hayim. When a person has Simhat Hayim, he has joy. Some, some guys not really say, why this guy was happy? The guy was happy. He has problems with his kids, problems with his wife, problems with his mother-in-law, problems with all this Parnassah. And the guy's always happy. And all of a sudden he says, ah, oh, must be the religion brings happiness to the guy. Must be imuna. And all of a sudden the guy starts to find God. And what did it? Your behavior. So therefore, you'd be surprised that a person has behavior, it's tofeya. It, it spreads over the people that are around them. First and foremost, your family, of course. Those that are closest to you. The best way to change your family is to change yourself. And therefore, let them learn from the overflowing goodness that comes from you. And could be that's the pshat in the Gemara. Bruria was saying to Rabbi Meir, pray, which means pray for yourself. Rabbi Meir, there's a ta'ana on you. If these uh, gangsters are causing you trouble, you have to pray for them to make the shuvah. That means you have to be mashpia on them more. You're Rabbi Meir. And therefore, Ba'ura <laughs> Hameh, he prayed for them. What do you mean he prayed for them? He prayed for them through himself. Through himself, making the elevation of himself. And all of a sudden they made the shuvah. Bruria is giving us a, a, a very good big sword over here. That we can change others by changing ourselves. Oh, once I saw that that's the pshat in the Gemara. That the teshuvah of Rabbi Meir will reach such a high level that it will cause everybody to make teshuvah. Sometimes you're in the Beit Knesset. You see a guy praying the Amidah. Oh, Kabbalah, it motivates you. Well, he didn't tell you one word. He didn't preach to you. He didn't ask you to do anything. But you say, you know something? 
That is guys zechut. He didn't say one word. His actions are so loud. His actions are so influential because they're so sincere. It affects others. Uh, Rabbi Sayyid Salanta said that once. Rabbi Sayyid Salanta said about himself. He said when he was young, he was very, very motivated. He said, "I'm going to change the world. I want to change the world." But then he said to himself, "The world is a very big place. I'm going to change the world." He said, "You know what? I can't change the world. I'm going to change at least my country." He lived in Europe. Europe, France. Then he said, well, France is also very big, hard to change the whole country. They didn't have the internet in those days. How are you going to affect the whole country? He said, you know what? Paris, the city. Then he said, even Paris is very big. I'll change my city. My, I'll, I'll change my, my town. And then he said, even the town is big. And he went from the town to his community, from the community to the street. At the end, he ended up saying, you know something? Too much. There's one thing that I know I can change. I can change myself. But guess what happened? By Rabbi Yisrael Salata changing himself, he ended up changing the whole world. His influence became through the whole world. Everybody reads the books of Yisrael Salata. Everybody reads the Musa of Yisrael Salata. All the Talmudim of Yisrael Salata. But all that came from what? From building himself. So we cannot underestimate, you know, sometimes you can be a Mizakir de Rabim be Farhesya, and you can be a Mizakir de Rabim be, be Itkasya. You can be a Mizakir de Rabim public, you know, everybody sees you. And you can be another Mizakir de Rabim be Itkasya. Itkasya means hidden, hidden Mizakir de Rabim. Just by your actions. There's some guys, you see them, they just, they do the right thing. And, and, and people are watching. They don't do it because people are watching. They do it because it's the right thing. They're going to get credit for it. Oh, so now let's go back to this pasuk because this pasuk is the, is the sword of Teshuvah. The pasuk says in Perek uh, Zayin, pasuk Yud, Yigmor na ra reshai. The goal is that you get rid of the ra of the reshai. But how do you do that? So the pasuk says, Utchonen sadiq. That when the sadiq establishes himself, Utchonen Sadiq. The Yigmon Narishaim happens Utchonen Sadiq. When the Sadiq makes himself a better Sadiq, then already the Ra of Nishaim dissipates. And that's that the claim is always on us. Whenever we see people that are not observant, they're not doing, you have to say to ourselves, hey, how come I'm not Mashpia enough? How come they don't see Shemirat Shabbat in me like they're supposed to? How come they don't see Tarat Rishpaha like they're supposed to? I must be not giving it in the right way. I must not be living. Instead of pointing the fingers to the others, you have to say to yourself, Utchonen Sadiq. I have to Mechonen the Sadiq. I have to establish the Sadiq. And then, Yigmon Nara Rishayim. Then the Ra of the Rishayim is going to dissipate. That's a, uh, that's a very, very big Yesod in, in Teshuvah. You know, you can change the world one person at a time, and the one person starts with yourself. And you can change the whole world. You don't have to say even a word. Uh, you could do it just by beaming a good example. Oh, so therefore we learned already David HaMelech, Alav HaShalom, in this chapter is that example. Look at David HaMelech, Alav HaShalom. David is asking God for forgiveness. On what? On a sin that's not a sin. Shaul tried to kill him how many times? The Tosfot says, En Adam Netfas Al Sa'ro. You can't even blame David for, for, for singing. He's saying, thank you, Hashem, for knocking Shaul down. Of course, Shaul would have killed David ten times. So David's singing. Is that a sin? 
Shaul was a little deaf. And by the way, David could have killed him many times and he didn't. And still, David comes along and says, Abba Pichin, Abba Pichin, Shigayon de David. You know what? David Amelik teaches us. Because David Amelik is such a Sadiq, the Ra of us gets dissipated. When you read the Tehilim, you're next to the Sadiq. When you read the Tehilim, you're now being close to the Sadiq. The Sadiq in this case is David Amelik. You see his behavior. You say, what? David is asking Shigayon, is asking Kapara for a mistake that he made regarding Shaul. Who should be asking Teshuvah? Shaul should be asking for Teshuvah, not David. David, Allah Shalom, was a big Sadiq. And then well, that motivates us that imagine we hurt our friend intentionally. David's asking where he was hurt and he's asking forgiveness. Kabahoma, we have to go the other way. So again, from the Sadiq, we learn the level of decency that's demanded from us. So this would be the chapter of Teshuvah. Not only for ourselves, but how our Teshuvah influences others. The goal is that the Ra of the Rishaim dissipate. Utchonen Sadiq. But it's got to be done first through the Utchonen Sadiq. The way to get people away from doing bad, do good yourself. Do good yourself. By you doing good, the Sudmerah, the people will, will, will desist from doing evil. They'll learn from your good ways. Well, if that's the case, David, Shalom, at the end of the last chapter, I didn't say this in last week's uh, class, but now I'll give it to you, consider this a bonus, Rabotai. The last pasuk of the last chapter of Perek Vav was, Yiboshu v'yibahalu me'od kol oyebai. Yashuvu, David Amelech over here is also talking about his enemies. And what does he say about his enemies? He comes along and he says, they're going to be shamed, they'll be confused, me'od. Yashubu yiboshu raga. Sounds like they'll be destroyed in a moment, in a second. Let's see how he explained it over here. Yes, they should be shamed in an instant. So I saw a beautiful explanation on this pasuk from the Yakut Gershoni. You know, the Gemara says, Kola anybody that makes an Avera, and then he gets embarrassed from it. You know, after he makes the sin, yeah, he gets embarrassed from it. He feels, uh, you know, he, he, feel, he feels shamed from it. Finish. The busha is a kapara. He doesn't have to fast. He doesn't have to punish his body. He doesn't have to go to all sigufim. The busha is the biggest kapara. Busha is like a death. The busha. I once saw explanation that this is what we pray for on the holidays. On the holidays we say, <coughs> we ask God at the end of the Amidah, in the Rebbe Olam, that God should forgive us for all the sins that we did. And at the end we say, God, I'm like a vessel that's filled with Bushah which we're really saying is, let the Bushah 
that I have, let that be the kapara. The bushah is, is, is the kapara. So he says over here that David Amelech wasn't praying for the Rishaim to die. What did he say? He says at the end of the Pasuk, Yashuvu, let them make Teshuvah, but let it be an easy Teshuvah. Yeboshu, let them be embarrassed of what they did. Laga, and in one second they already have Teshuvah. They don't have to fast for 40 years. Yashuvu, Yeboshu, Laga. So you see David Amelech's system was, he wasn't praying for the Sha'im to die. Adraba. He was praying that the Rasha can come back to his way, that Rasha can find his way. Ultimately, either through its... And therefore, at the end of last uh, week's Tehilim, David HaMelech is talking about the, the Bushah of the Sadiqim, or, or of the, of the Rasha'im, and that's where he starts the chapter now. He's Mibayesh himself. Shigayon and David. Okay, God, I'm not any better. I need Mibayesh. Mibayesh? Yes, I sang a song about Shaul. I shouldn't. Asher Hashem. And once he does that, and we come along and say, wow, that Sadiq is, Tichonen Sadiq, that Sadiq is establishing himself. Therefore, the Ra of the Rishaim, of everybody else that's in the vicinity of David, learns from that, Utchonen Sadiq. That would be the lesson of our wonderful chapter. We would call chapter Zion, the chapter of Teshuvah. Amen amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you, God bless all of you. Amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Jimmy. I'll get about that. I'll let you watch me for a minute, put away my books. That's it. <laughs> For one pair of That's the way you're supposed to learn the books. Okay, the Botayom Tov.